Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm Jahan Jones. It's your girl, Taryn Finley. And it's your boy, Shaquille Ramblin. And in the words of Iyanla Bonzant, hello, beloveds. <laughs> it's that time of the year. It's Valentine's Day weekend. And things are looking pretty good, except we have one new element in the mix. And that's COVID kind of fucking up the celebration of love. Taryn and Jahan, I'm not going to get into your business and ask what are y'all doing. But what I do want to know Good, because I ain't going to tell you. <laughs> Mind your business. Keep it on the knee to know. I kind of want to know now. <laughs> but what does black love mean to you, Taryn? I want to know. I want to know that. Oh, my God. Black love is beautiful. It's infinite. It's not just romantic. It is also platonic. It is familial. Like, you feel... Like, it's self-love. Black love, it just can be so many things, you know? It's... It, it can be beautiful. It can be ugly. Like it, it is so multi-dimensional. And to me, black love is everything. Mm, that's what about good. you, Jahan? I don't know if I have as many descriptors for mine. <laughs> I think um, I just think of a black love as being sensitive. And for some reason, mm. I envision black love being like this nimble thing. I mean, like Taryn really touched on it. It, it rears itself in so many different ways that, you know, it's like, to me, it, I see it. I see it as this fun thing. I see it as this exciting entity. I see it as a this um, like enlightening entity. I don't know. There's so many things I associate with uh, black love, but just the nimbleness of it, just the ability to sense like when it's needed and where it's needed and how it's needed. I think of that flexibility in the ways I've received love from all sorts of people like throughout my years. So that's. Sensitivity is what I associate with it. Oh, <laughs> I know everybody you got need so gentle. A man <laughs> with sensitivity. You know? Shout out, Ralph. Shout out, Ralph. Like like, when I think about all of the things that Taryn said, it's, it's beautiful, it's gentle, it's understanding, it's family, and it's also mm-hmm. radical. And it's radical because mm. sometimes when you think about the fact that love for Black people was a form of resistance, you know, just to choose to love someone who was Black was a form of resistance. It just makes mm. you think about the vastness and the beauty of our people. And like Taryn said, it's not always romantic. For me, number one is community and how we consistently find community and come together to love up on each other. Mm. Mm, I like yeah. that. I love that so much. You know what else is black love? What? <laughs> Malcolm and Marie was black <laughs> love. Even though, even though it didn't feel like it, it didn't feel like it. That I, it, I'm gonna be honest. John David Washington and Zendaya did the damn thing because I was so stressed watching <laughs> them argue on and on again. Like, I was waiting for like that climax, but I feel like the climax hit at like several different times throughout the film. Did y'all watch? Go ahead, Shaquille. Go ahead. I watched and <laughs> no, I watched it with my partner. And that's not a damn movie you need to watch with somebody that you sure. with because it drives you up the wall. You know? It's like watching, I mean, you ever seen Manini Leaks was saying, um, is this how I look when I'm arguing? <laughs> that movie made uh. me. <laughs> 
see two people arguing. You're like, damn, is this how I look when I be going mm-hmm. at it? Maybe mm-hmm. I should stop fighting. Yeah, it was just a stressful watch for me. Like, I yeah. definitely cannot see myself watching that again. I don't see the reason why you would want to. For me, the script was kind of, it was so heavy and it was written by a white man. Yes, correct. And I could detect that at times, even though I'm watching black people act it out. It's like the things he had them saying just didn't seem as though they were coming genuinely from black people. Even some of the soliloquies he had them ring off about like the stress they experience in the industry. I don't know. I just wasn't really believing it when I was watching it. And I felt like Mona Scott Young has done a much better job of tethering like oh my God. controversy together and setting a better timeline for that controversy. I was like, okay, wasn't y'all just necking in the bed 10 minutes ago? And now you outside running around with trees, like arguing and stuff. And now you back in the house and she in the tub. Like there was so much happening over the course of this evening that it was it was hard for me to follow. Yeah, there was a lot happening. I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play devil's advocate um, there a bit because um, yes, Sam Livingston or Levingston um, was behind it and wrote it. But John David Washington and Zendaya had a, a heavy um, um, hand when it came to like the actual production and mm. on set, and so you know they had a lot of say in that i know there's been like a lot of um a lot of critique and you know understandably so like critique is valid um what i loved was that you know how intimate this was i can't imagine you know being in isolation like this like we are in um in quarantine with a partner in knowing the arguments that would break out because like you said it felt very mirror-ish like damn like is this what I look like you know arguing with my ex or like whoever Mm. and which was like I think that was another reason why it was like super stressful for me but I thought that it was like really smart in helping us feel as stressed as them I didn't like that feeling (laughs) <laughs> but you know that they had a, a 22 person um cruise and they made sure that everyone in the crew had um received film ownership which respect, which respect. was like really big I, I i'm pretty sure i don't know if that's happened before but like mad respect to her for making sure that happened but yeah it, it had its flaws it definitely had its flaws like that damn boxed mac and cheese fucking okay talk did about y'all it. see the way that john david was eating that crab okay <laughs> but you know when when, Zendaya's, when marie was talking about it, you know i thought she was about to whip up some shit you know what i mean and it looked like, like it okay you gotta set the stage you gotta let people at home know that they're arguing and zendaya's character is like telling john david washington's character I'm making you this damn macaroni and cheese and basically saying, like, you better like it. And you watching her take these ingredients out of the Make fridge. Make your own damn mac and cheese. cheese. And then she plops it into Fucking a plate crap. and it's in this this cheesy soup, like Kraft mac and cheese. It just wasn't hitting. And he ate it. Like, he scarfed it down. He did. He that, did. Was the most, Again. that was one of the most disturbing moments of that film well you know Again, what it is maybe this was a director's choice maybe you know he didn't know what a macaroni pie looked like at a cookout so he just told her to like okay, make some elbows I, I ain't gonna lie like when i saw that it kind of forced me to it brought me back to earth a little bit and i was like okay yeah this dude this was directed by a white man like, <laughs> 
Tyler Perry movies wouldn't have no mac and cheese like that no. on the table. Like Ugh. as many flaws as they yeah. may and have. And that man went back for seconds. And did he, he take like ten minutes seconds. to make it? He was he so did. stressful. Oh my See, god, he was so believable. stressful. Okay, so, uh, spoiler alert: if y'all haven't seen it, what the hell is taking y'all so long? <laughs> but is talking about. I I really wanted Zendaya to leave his ass. Mm. Like there was just so much verbal abuse. Oh, it, for it, sure. To me, course, you know, on course. both ends, but like definitely John David felt like more of the aggressor. Like that man is unstable. Get some help. Mm. I would like, I, I literally would have had to, I'm not condoning violence, but <laughs> Don't tell them what you something would have had to happen. <laughs> I, I, I might've blacked a little bit if setting the scene in that um in in the bathtub scene where he's like naming down like what he's done with his exes oh, and all right. that. Yeah, oh my god. Oh god. I would have oh, blacked There's nothing likable oh, about John David Washington's character in like, this movie. Like what the fuck? You know, I mean, one thing I will say the film did well is highlight the fact that toxic love could be addicting as fuck. It's just something about toxicity that sometimes that people just like I can't leave, especially in Marie's character, she doesn't, you know, she has a lot going on. I'll just leave it there. She has a lot going on. So in a situation like that, sometimes that toxic love just traps you and gets you. And you know, a lot of people don't know what healthy love is. They don't True. know what that experience is. And, you know, I would go out on a limb and say that these, both of the characters didn't, you no. know, we, we <laughs> learned a little bit about their background, but I, I feel like the kind of dysfunction that they were in was one that they probably like it, it wasn't foreign to them. They that this kind of argument wasn't the first time they've had it with a lover. And you know, with you saying that if you don't know what love is or what healthy love look like, my favorite book is Bell Hooks All About Love. Ooh, talk <laughs> about it. Go ahead, let us know. If you haven't read that book, it's a love Bible. It just helps you understand how radical love is, especially black love. It helps you understand the importance of community. It helps you understand what romantic love should look like because sometimes we identify abuse as a form of love and love and abuse just can't go hand in hand. So I'll just buy the book, buy the book, buy the book. Word. Yeah, no, that book book was really great. Since we're on the topic, let's go into some gifts that we want to give, receive, give ourselves, whatever, for Valentine's Day. What you you looking at anything or you have any suggestions for Black-owned Valentine's Day gifts, Shaquille? Yeah, so there's a brand called House of Hoodoo. It's a metaphysical shop, spirituality. If you're on that wave, if you're trying to get your mind, soul, and body right, Jessica, who is a Black business owner in New Orleans, she has so many products. I mean, oils to kind of make you jump on top of your partner or just make them smell so good that you want to be with them. Also, self-love. So there are candles that are directed, fixed candles, that kind of like are driven to help you focus on if you want to attract love. Because, hey, not everybody got Sabu. Not everybody been chose, which is okay. And if you have it, there's also things to kind of help you center yourself and focus on self-love because that is the most important form of love. I know, that's right. She sell Egyptian musk. Yeah, that's a classic. I gotta go to 125 for that. Right you gotta go to 125 for that. Yeah, but you know, I got I got a few businesses that I'm supporting this Valentine's Day. They're all either black woman owned or black woman backed. Um, first off, shout out to Lit Brooklyn Candles, Daniqua Williams Clark. I just bought her Joy scent, um, and she also has a PS I Love You scent. Really can't wait to 
get that some valentine's day cards from Addie rar like she just is this beautiful like she illustrates these beautiful cards very black very you know um reminds you almost of mahogany images y'all know y'all y'all know the hallmark mahogany <laughs> yeah. but she doing her own version okay and of course if you want you know a little a little wine in your system mcbride sisters have black girl magic shout out to them and last but not least, there's a CBD intimacy kit from Foria. Michelle Harrington, she's an investor in the company. She's also launched the nation's largest Black-owned cannabis company. So it's just really good to see Black women going into like these different spaces, mm -hmm. especially when it comes to like CBD has been really great for me. I'm, I'm a fan of it. Um, so yeah, shout out to them. Check them all out. Valentine's Day and beyond. Jahan, what about you? Mm, mm. Well, y'all know during the pandemic, I've definitely been dabbling in the arts, definitely, you know, uh, immersing myself in all sorts of creations. Um, I've got to give a shout out to the Chicago Southside Film Festival and my friend Lex, who's been handling programming for them all throughout the pandemic. And even before then, um, they've been doing a bunch of film screenings, showing some classic black exploitation films, some historic black films, mm -hmm. doing a lot of uh, virtual programming to uh, help people get into the film industry. So they've been getting a lot of really well-known talent to come and speak to, you know, a rising crop of filmmakers and producers and actors uh, hone their crafts as well. So shout out to the Chicago Southside Film Festival, my friend Lex. Shout out Lex. So I, I definitely want to support <laughs> local arts groups like this one. And what better to do during this period than to gift a loved one with, you know, the gift of knowledge. That's that's one gift you can give them uh, this holiday. Or the gift of lingerie. Okay. <laughs> also that. Because you can get, let me tell you, knowledge is power, but so is. Anyway, y'all should go ahead and get y'all loved ones <laughs> some Savage fact, Fenty. Um, get yourself some Savage Fenty. Mm -hmm. Look, they ain't paying us, but I, I just have to attest to um, the fact that that line is comfortable and Rihanna knew what she was doing, okay? Word. And on that note, make sure you love up on yourself. Make sure you get your boo some Fenty. Make sure you love up on your community and find ways to celebrate yourself and celebrate love this week because we all need the love after 2020. And love up on us, damn it. Y'all <laughs> need to subscribe. Y'all know y'all love us. So don't play yourself. We love you. Love us back, okay? And that's that. Hashtag we deserve. All right, y'all, we have to take a real quick break, but when we return, we talk more about black love with the leading lady at the heart of the film, Judas and the Black Messiah, Dominique Fishback. And that's that. Stay with us, y'all. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. All right, y'all, we're halfway through Black History Month, and there's definitely more than one kind of Black love story to watch. 
You might remember our guest as Kenya from the movie The Hate You Give, or recognize her as Darlene from HBO's 1970 series, The Deuce. In her latest role, she portrays Deborah Johnson, fiance of Black Panther Party chairman Fred Hampton in the film Judas and the Black Messiah. Dominique Fishback, welcome to the mic. We're going to give you some, some poetry snaps, a round of applause, all that. I feel it. All that. We got you. We got yes. you. Yes. So we'll get right into it. You play Deborah Johnson in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. And, and she, of course, was the woman who was in a relationship with Fred Hampton before he was assassinated. Can you tell us uh, what attracted you to this particular role to begin with? Yeah, well, um, I think since I was very young, I've loved history. And I always had an affinity for Black history. But I didn't hear about Chairman Fred Hampton until I got to college, until I was a part of the Black Student Union at Pace mm-hmm. University. And um, I started writing a one-woman show called Subverted about the destruction of Black identity in America to graduate from school. And so I was like doing a, a bunch of research. I saw um, the Black Power mixtape. Mm-hmm. And the first time I heard of Stokely Carmichael, it was Angela Davis, Asada Shakur, and I remember the, the women with the afros. And I was going through my own transition with my hair, uh, afraid to show it, you know, didn't want to show my natural hair. And then uh, that kind of gave me the confidence. But with Chairman Fred, I knew of him. I knew that his wife was nine months pregnant. And I knew that she had showed his body um, during the raid, but I did not know much else about it. Um, and so when I when I got the email from from my team that Shaka King wrote this role and he wrote the role for me and that Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield was already attached and uh, and Charles King and Ryan Cougar were producers, mm-hmm. I, I had to do a double take. And the email I had to be like, wait, wait, do they want me to go on take for this this thing? Do I have to read for this or or are they saying that it's mine? Yeah. Well, I'm a right, big right. And then I met with Shaka in a cafe in Brooklyn. He's from Brooklyn as well. And uh, we talked and he said, yeah, I saw you in Show Me a Hero, which was my first David Simon project, HBO project in 2015. And he said, you know, I've been watching you since then. um, I want you to read the script and, you know, let me know your thoughts. And that's kind of how it how it kicked off. Mm, righteous, righteous. That Black Power mixtape was putting everybody on back in the day. Yeah, man. I mean, that was, it was, yeah, it helped me. It helped yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Same here. Same here. That's so beautiful that, you know, this role, you know, Shaka King had you in mind specifically for this. I'm wondering, especially playing someone as, you know, powerful and dedicated to the movement as uh, Mama Akua and Jerry, it what was your relationship with her um, in making this film? How did she help you prepare for this role? First, I have to say I'm extremely humbled. I'm extremely humbled to to even say that I get to, for a brief moment, represent her or represent and represent the story of Chairman Fred and help use my body and my voice and my, my likeness to, to elevate and to bring more light to this story. Uh, so that's one. And then uh, with, with Mama Okua, as we, as we call her, um, I'm, uh, we had, so one of the first things I, I said to Shaka was, you know, is the family involved? Because, like, I mean, this sounds great, but, man, I don't know if I could do it if they're not involved. And he said, you know, we're working on that, but we feel like we have to get the team together and then come to them, you know, so that they can know how serious we are and that we 
have all of these things in um aligned in that way. Um, and so I gr- I agreed to do it. And then right before filming, we had to fly to Chicago and we met with the family for over seven hours. But we literally sat. I mean, we literally sat at a table. And Chairman Fred Jr. said, "I want to go around the table and I want to know why every single one of you want to do this movie." And I'm talking. It was Ryan Coogler is on the phone. You know, for hours on the phone. Um, uh, there was Warner Brothers representatives that like everybody was there sitting and, and leaning forward to tell why. And Daniel was sitting next to me. He said, and Chairman Fred Jr. said, I'm going to start with you. And he like, what up today? And I'm like, my heart is pounding so fast. I'm so anxious. And Daniel's concluding and collected. He tells his story. Um, he tells his truth. And I remember hearing him speak and being like, oh, he's ga- he's galvanizing me. Like, you know, I started already putting myself in her perspective and thinking, oh, this is what, it must feel like what, what Chairman Fred did to the people is what Daniel's kind of doing to me right now. And it, it inspired me to want to rise to the occasion so I could be that comrade for him. And so that kind of like kicked us off. But when Mama Akua, she pulled Daniel and I to the side and uh, she t- started asking us questions about our process and how we plan to tap into the character. And I remember I said something about like, you know, being a vessel and for spirit to like move through me. And she's like, what if my spirit don't mess with your spirit? <laughs> and I was like, you're absolutely right. And I had to say, no, but what I mean is, you know, I went to school for acting. So the craft is really important. I'll do all those things. Like think about how she's different from the beginning of the film to the end of the film. But at a certain point, it comes time to just play and let, you know, energy and, and spirit move through you. Um, and, you know, and Daniel was speaking. She was like, oh, he's speaking my language. I like him. You know, it kind of gave me the side eye. But I, I, I definitely understood. She reminded me of my grandmother in that way. And um, so rightfully so that she would be protective and um, and and see see what, you know, see what I'm about. Um, and she kind of said afterwards in an interview, like, she was like, I had to make sure there was no punkness in her. And like, you know, you know what I mean? Um, so after I was leaving, I gave her a hug and I said, you know, I hope you know my heart. And she said, I do. I just had to give you a bit of a hard time. You know, and then that, that moved from uh, that to her coming to set one day. And I was like, well, I'm not going to go to where she is. I'm going to stay on set. And they said, no, Mama Cool wants to see you. And she gave me a hug. And she said, you did that scene. That was a Deborah Johnson up there. You did that. And that was, it was very early on in, in filming. And there's not a lot of footage of her, you know, at, at, at that age, at, at, at the age she was. So I really had to go off of my intuition. I had to I journalized my characters and, you know, I wrote, I wrote poems for every moment that they had together, their first kiss, the first time they see each other. And um, a lot of Nina Simone songs and Lance and Hughes poems. And I really went from um, internal out, you know, and I, and so to hear her say that meant that my intuition, that what I was innately leaning towards was spot on. And so I was uh, really honored in that way. Wow. I'm wondering, follow up to that. Was she a poet? Because there's a scene I don't want to spoil it for the audience, but there's a scene where she is reading and like she keeps this book, you know, of of poetry and, and writing. So, yeah, actually, she was a poet, um, but that reading of poetry didn't really happen. It actually happened um, at the beginning when I met Shaka and he said, read the script and let me know your thoughts. And so I gave him a whole long email about everything that I love. And I said, I have two thoughts, but I don't want to overstep. So let me know if you want to hear them. And he said, you'll be playing her. You can't overstep. Give me your notes. And he called them notes. And I said, well, one, one of the first things she says is, do you like poetry? And the Panthers are and were very poetic people. And we don't hear a poem. I think we, 
I think we missed an opportunity. He says, I think you're right. Do you want to take a shot at that poem? And so the poem in the movie is actually one that I got to, to write. Beautiful. Wow. Can you tell us a little bit more about the experience of playing a historic figure? I mean, I was talking to Taryn and Shaquille earlier today about how this film, it's like such a beautiful film cinematically, but it's also an educational film for a lot of people who aren't familiar with Chairman Fred. And with that, I imagine that there's some pressure to like stay wedded to the story as it actually occurred. But you're an actor as well who I imagine wants that kind of free reign to express you know, you're the, the role as you envisioned it. So can you talk about like countenancing both of those? Yeah, well, um, you know, even though Chairman Fred Jr. was on set every day and Mama Okua came to set sometimes, they, they, you know, they really allowed the actors to have their own space. They didn't come up to us really telling us anything that they felt, anything that they dealt with, they kind of talked to Shaka about. Um, so there was definitely a lot of compromise on that end. But, you know, Mama Okua really allowed me to to create on my own. And uh, it was great that we had them kind of as cultural, um, like, uh, uh, what's the word? Like, uh, they they were they were the ones who was teaching us and keeping us aligned. So even though things had to change for cinematic purposes, you know, I remember being at the table with them in Chicago and kind of really on edge, like, are they gonna do this film? And I, they had a, they were, they were not happy with a portrayal of one of the characters as it were at the time. And, um, you know, Shaka was leaving and he said, you know, well, if anything is detrimental to the legacy of the Panthers, I will take it out. Just let me know. That's nothing. You know, and in that moment, I really was like, oh, I'm safe. Like, you know, like as an artist, I hope the family comes on, on board. If they don't come on board, hopefully they give us their blessing. But even still, I don't think they're going to find uh, producers and creators and artists that really lean in the way that Charles King did, you know so much patience and care and consideration. I really, I really admire them for that. Yes, yes. I kind of watched the film with an appreciation for, I mean, it gives you an appreciation for like the craft of acting because you're not mimicking these people. We're like observing your take on these historic figures too. And I think the film offered that. Thank you. Thank you. I think that was really important, you know, for me and for Daniel and just, um, you know, when I when I got the role, I just prayed like God, please let me be a vessel for this for this story to come through through. And most importantly for me, I'm all about the love. I'm a romantic. So one of my other notes to Shaka, like I said, he called it notes, uh, was, you know, um, I just wanna make sure that uh, you know, and when it comes to this genre romance and, and black women in this medium, a lot of times we have to prove ourselves in love before we're committed to or before we're deemed worthy. And, um, you know, like we have to ride out, the, ride out with them through jail or we get pregnant and only then are we worthy of commitment. And I wanted to make sure that we didn't perpetuate that narrative that although it's not a romance and we only have a certain amount of time, if we can be aware and make sure that we see that he loves her for her mind and for her, her being, not for anything that she does or has to prove. Um, so that was really important. And so Daniel and I really took those those intimate moments and said, well, they're 19 and 21 years old. You know what I mean? Like how, like they're human. So although we see these larger than life characters and we see him go up on a podium, he's still shy. You know, um, there's still levels of humanity that we get to know what are revolutionaries like in love. You know, they could, they could speak about the revolution, but when it comes to trying to get a little kiss, 
how you gonna how you gonna navigate that <laughs> right I love the multi-dimensionalness of that because like you said we were able to see these characters in full and in doing that um I think that there was there were a few things at play at least for me as I watched and it made me I'm I'm already you know when I hear um about these different stories and these different assassinations that happen um you know especially within the Black Panther party you know it makes me irate and so I was mad as hell at, you know, certain parts watching the film. And it reminded me of, you know, movements going on today and things happening, you know, in current. Um, and there's a stress that comes with um, Black women activism that we don't talk about as much as we should. I think this film does a really good job of highlighting what uh, uh, Mama Akua faced and you also know that stress you know firsthand because you are Erica Gardner's cousin uh and we know that she suffered a heart attack after years of fighting for justice for her father Eric Gardner I'm wondering what did this role if anything reveal to you about the priority that we should be taking and not only healing but also protecting and taking care of ourselves in activism especially you know looking at the events of yesteryear and today. Yeah, okay. Um, Mama Akua and the Black Panther Party, they talked about self-determination, right? And uh, by definition, I understood what she was saying, but I didn't know, I didn't know in spirit. After filming this movie, um, I left, I left Cleveland and I couldn't listen to, I couldn't have things in my ears. I couldn't have headphones in my ears. I would watch and I would watch everybody move. I would listen to everything. I would sit and I, and I would have, I would have stillness in my mind and I would be just let, allow myself not to be distracted by other things. I believe that that was a, a direct uh, response to, to, to what I experienced on set. But going into that, uh, I made 2020 my freedom or my freedom year, you know? Um, and I tried to, and I had this whole idea, but then we got caught in a pandemic and we were all shut down. And I was like, how can I have freedom? And I learned that freedom is in the mind, you know? And I started meditating. I started journaling and I started to really understand myself, my convictions and what I care about. When you start understanding yourself and your convic convictions, you start understanding the idea of love and being loved unconditional. You start to learn self-love in another way. And so when you learn to love yourself in that way, you're able to have compassion for other people. And that's how you, you move. And that's how you can become open to the people and to the, to the movement, right? So it does, I feel like it does start with self. I don't know if Mama Akua and I will agree with me because they, you know, they're so about the bigger picture, but I mean it in a way where you have to tend to yourself and if you if you truly authentically understand and love yourself for all your flaws and all the things you don't know that you have to learn, then you can look at other people and understand that, understand them for where they are. And that's a gift of what Daniel is like in general, because I feel his superpower is that he sees people for who they are and where they are. and He meets them there, you know. And so when I go, I circle back to filming and how I learned to trust Black men in a way that I hadn't before. And I'm not just talking about Daniel, I'm talking about my whole cast. I'm talking about the crew because the way they held space for me. I remember we went, we were going bowling, we were going roller skating, we were seeing movies. And at one point we went to, we went bowling and I had some French fries and this white boy 
decided he's not in a cast crew. He was just at the bowling alley that he was going to take a fry from my plate. He said, can I have a fry? And he took a fry. And before my Brooklyn could come out, before I could say something, Daniel, Ian, Lakeith, they were all like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? What are you? And they kind of gathered around me. And I had an out-of-body experience to say, oh, for the, I didn't have to advocate for myself. Oh, that feels nice. That feels nice to lean back and receive. And so um, um, I just, I give, I give thanks for them for knowing that it is possible that they are successful young Black men and they have a respect and a care um, to, to nurture and protect, you know, Black women. And um, yeah, and so I don't know if that answered your question, but. That is beautiful. And right now with Black History Month, we're taking time out to specifically ask, what does it really mean to protect Black women? Not just wearing it on a shirt, not just you know, tweeting a hashtag. And so it stories like that really do, you know, remind me and I hope they remind other people how, you know, it, it still is in practice. I, I think it starts at a at a micro level too, you know, and the fact that Shaka said, um, you'll be playing her, you can't overstep. Give me your notes. He's in a position of, of power at this moment. And when we get in positions of power, how we bring other people up. Is it, it, it reflects and it, and it goes forward. So for him to say that, I'm saying, okay, now I'm speaking up. Now I'm knowing that my voice is valued in this on this set, and um, and then him saying, you know, uh, do uh, you want to write that poem? Because he knows he doesn't have a womb. You know what I mean? Like there's just gonna be a perspective that maybe he can't tap into that. And so for that awareness, it it gives me strength. It gave me strength moving forward, not just on set, but how I take up space and other things. I know my voice matters. You know what I mean? I knew that from before. I was a teenager in a theater program. And so you learn that. But as you get older and you start entering different uh, industries, you know, and again, everybody plays a part, all of all of the steps in life. So like even with David Simon on the deuce and me journaling as as uh, Darlene and Billy Rowan on Show Me a Hero, they were they were they were always listening. You know what I mean? So it's not to say that people before hadn't, but in the way in which he said, um, yeah, tell me, no, you know, and always giving space. And I think, so I think it even starts on a micro level like that and listening, you know, listening and, and being aware. You kind of touched on this already, but I was just going to ask, like we were talking about the stress that activism can bear on activists. This role you're playing, you're not an activist in title as you're acting, but you are conveying this character who was like very steeped in activist culture. And so I imagine some of that weighs on you as well. How, if at all, do you detach yourself from the work when the cameras go off? Yeah. Um, well, one, I, I think, I think I always, like I, I started um, doing a theater. I was with a, a girl theater group where we had to write and perform um, pieces uh, about issues affecting girls all over the world. So we would go to United Nations and talk. We would go to uh, Switzerland to talk about forced child marriage and, you know, uh, trafficking and gun violence and all of these things. And so in that way, I wouldn't call myself an activist, but I, I would say I was an activist. That's what I was saying in my teen years. And so the projects that I end up being a part of kind of have that activist nature. And I don't necessarily know how to remove myself. I think I left myself so open when we were filming Judas and the Black Messiah that by the end of filming, we had to do the assassination of Chairman Fred, on the 50th anniversary of the actual assassination, I was in knots the night before. My stomach was in knots. My heart was beating so fast and I couldn't understand what was going on. And then I was like, oh, Danny's going to be okay. Danny's going to be okay. I, have to, I kept 
telling myself that. And I realized that I left myself so open that I was so dedicated to getting it right and to, to being a vessel that by the end, I had to experience and mourn a loss, you know, of a love that didn't belong to me, of a love that was taken from Mama Akua and Chairman Fred and the Black Panther Party because of the, the FBI and the Chicago police. So I'm doing better. I'm learning. I think, I think in hindsight, in 2020, when I started meditating, I started building practices for myself. And so now moving forward, I know how to separate myself from roles, but I, n- I never really knew how, even with Subverted, my one-woman show that is about the destruction of Black identity in America, um, that's also heavy. I have these nightmare scenes where my character, uh, she it goes, um, I'm Black again, traveling. And as I turn and run, I stumble into the body of Trayvon Martin, start still, I stand in front of him. I plead with George Zimmerman. I too am shot, but the bullet still hit his mark. Head throb and I turn around, tripping over the corpse of Mike Brown, left in the street to greet little brown kids. Cold heart as a board, four hours old, riddled with seven holes. And then there I am negotiating the plea in defense of the Kwame McDonald 17. And the cops drove up and let 16 go. Each time releasing the cloud of smoke, I blink twice. I'm with Tovio Tamir Rice and it goes on. And she's having these nightmares throughout the one woman show where the immediacy of us experiencing the loss of black and brown people is not as far as people like to see. So she gets it back to back and it's so traumatic, you know? And, um, but after doing that show, there's a lot of comedy in the show as well, but after doing that show, I would try to see every single person that came to see the show. And then I would turn around and do it right after that. And that to me is insane. So, you know, I, I understand that that wasn't a healthy way to go about it. Um, and to give myself and to protect my, my energy more. Yeah. Mm. Well, Dominique Fishback, thank you so much. I feel as though you imparted so much wisdom on us and our audience today. Is there anything else you want the millions and millions at home to know before we we break? You know, the movie, I'm sure the family would be happy about this, but the movie is is simply a tool, you know, to then do your own research and learn more about the history of uh, Chairman Fred and the Black Panther Party. And also there's a campaign, uh, Save the Hampton House, they're going to lose the house that uh, Chairman Fred Hampton grew up in. And so there's a campaign to raise money for that. And so if you're, if you're so moved and so inspired, like please look into that. Yes, yes. Well, we've been following your work. I mean, we've seen you in Project Power and Random Acts of Flyness and now Judas and the Black Messiah, which is out today in theaters and streaming on HBO Max. Dominique Fishback, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And that's that for this week. Thanks again to our guest, the amazing actor, Dominique Fishback. Our show is produced and edited by Izzy. Whatever you choose, whatever you do, make sure he's a thug and intelligent to the best. Nick <laughs> Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. She's crazy, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm Jahan Jones. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Jahan. I'm your girl. You can follow me at underscore tearing it up. And I'm your boy, Shaquille Ronblay. Follow me at Ronblay everywhere. We'll be back next week. And until then, you know what you can do. Keep it juicy. Juicy That need to be on y'all Valentine's Day playlist. <laughs> Let me to add it to mine. That's, on there. <laughs> That's M2MA. Some, okay. some old school M2MA. All right. Bye, y'all. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.